Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. You're very welcome to Friday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. I'm always watching the weather and telling you about it just before we come on air and the change is coming. There's moisture on the way. 15th of May was sort of really the last rain in this neck of the woods. Not bad, the 16th of June, is it? Anyway, what will be will be it's staying warm, though that's the thing. Welcome to the show. Lots of chat and the regulars over the next couple of hours. But I begin today talking about a group of wonderful women. You see, recently they hopped into the Irish Sea at Templetown Beach and swam all the way to Rockabill in Scaries. 44 kilometres, oh my word. Anyway, there's some of them with me on the show today. Una Gary, Adele Johnson and Jennifer Fitzgerald. You're all welcome to Late Lunch. Thanks for joining me, girls. Thanks, thank you. Oh, you're very welcome to the show. Let me start with uh, Jennifer. Jennifer, tell us about this, who you are and why you took on this challenge. Um, so I'm a passionate open water swimmer. I'm also a swim teacher, um, amongst other things. And um, I've always wanted to do uh, a relay of sorts. And so I sort of gathered together a few other like-minded women and... We were given the challenge by Podrick Malling of Infinity Channel Swimming to swim from Templeton Beach to Scary's um, Rockabill Lighthouse. It's a, a fair trip, to say the least. And you picked a name. Tell us the name you decided to christen yourselves. Yeah, we called ourselves the Gronini Whales uh, after the legendary um, Pirate Queen of Ireland um, because we felt that we wanted a name that represented... Um, strength, ferocity, fearlessness, um, determination. And so Granini Whale, um, if you know anything about her, is all of those things. Um, so that's why we chose her name. A nice name and a powerful name too. I take it, you, you know, you mentioned that you're a swimmer and obviously you're at this quite regular. Uh, is it the same for all of you? We're all of the group, you know, seasoned swimmers. And I take it you were pre- preparing for this for a number of months. Yeah, um, the preparation. Well, I know Jane asked me last August, so mentally the preparation started then. And you, yeah, you more or less every month set yourself the target of how far you're going to swim. And then in January, you start getting into the cold water. So I am from a swimming background, but I think Adele uh, was fantastic in terms of Adele maybe wasn't fully from a background, but rose to the challenge as well. Adele, come in there while you're listening to uh, the uh, the story unfolding. You weren't, so tell us your piece, how you became involved. Uh, so I started swimming, I gifted myself swimming lessons for my 40th birthday um, five years ago and I certainly didn't expect it to bring me on this journey and I'm so, so glad and so grateful uh, to the girls for having me on the team. So. The first time I actually heard Jen speak was at the Christmas Eve swim um, in Carlingford. And I remember her saying at the end of it, she made a wee speech and thanked me for, for coming. And she said, life is precious. And her voice kind of cracked on that. And um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that swim. I just enjoyed it so much. And within a week, I was back out swimming in the open water in Carlingford. And um then between the jigs and reels, myself and Jen became good friends and we met during lockdown and um, I do a lot of running and cycling. And so swimming for me then was just really to get out to go on the bike afterwards. So when she invited me then to go on the team, 
I was just blown away. Mm-hmm. Like the, the standard with these girls is amazing. And they were just so kind and so accepting. And I do find that with swimmers, just very, very kind, decent people. And uh, we just had a brilliant day. I'm blown away by it all. Mm, yes. And, you know, it. you all took tor- turns, Adele, uh, to uh, actually complete this swim. How long were you in the water? Uh, so we took it. We were in one hour rotations. OK. And we started with Georgie. She was the first in. And that was a very touching moment for me because uh, Georgie was getting out of the water after her first hour. And it was very obvious she had been stung by jellies on her face and her legs. And I was on the phone to my daughter that I had arranged one phone call that I would make because she was going into her leave insert. Um, her level maths and it was such a big day for her and such a big day for us you know all of this prep uh, throughout the winter Zuna mentioned the cold water swimming and so he was studying and uh, it was very very touching moment because she was saying to me how's everybody getting on and I was like yeah she's she's amazing she's getting out of the water and you're amazing and you know we were cheering each other on from afar each doing our own things and and I think that's what this team is about Mm. is supporting each other and cheering each other on So you took on a leg and so on it went everybody did an hour about was that it? Yeah so it was an an hour each time an hour each time. Okay, uh, and that broke it up. B- back to Jen for a moment. How long in total did it take you to go from Templeton to Skerries? So our unofficial time is 13 hours and 39 minutes, and we're just awaiting ratification of that time from the Irish Long Distance Swimming Association. And how does that compare to your expectations? Um. Well, we were much quicker than we anticipated. Um, we sort of, we got the best of conditions. So uh, the tide, the currents, the chop, nothing slowed us down. So we actually got there much quicker than our pilot and crew and we all anticipated. Um, so happy is. <laughs> so the weather was with you because we've had this uh, onshore easterly for quite a time. It's changing the south, would you believe, today, nearly after a month. But it wasn't that strong of an easterly. It was keeping the temperatures nice and cool, actually, uh, in Loudmead and this neck of the woods. But the seas were calm and that was a big thing. Yeah, 100%. And we were kind of, the week before, you know, the pilot of our boat, who happens to be Una's husband was watching the weather and he was watching it and watching it. He was waiting basically for the wind to be in the right direction because some days we thought, oh, the weather's really good, but we would look and there'd be like a southerly breeze, which Mm. wouldn't have been good for us to be swimming in a southerly, like swimming south with the breeze in our face. Yes. So um, Monday was the day and it it was flat, calm conditions. It was like being in a swimming pool. Um, back to you in a, for a moment. Jellyfish, were you stung? Um, thank goodness I wasn't stung. I definitely did some diversions when I was in there. There's some big jellyfish down there. <laughs> and so, thank God, the visibility was good and you could see it. So, per Isle Georgie, I think the jellyfish just came in left field for her. And that was a, yeah, it really showed. I know at the end there's lovely pictures of sunsets, but the first six hours was difficult enough. It was raining was cold and to see Georgie in a lot of pain and to have the resilience then to get back in those same water that it was causing her so much you know with the view that you may get stung again I think Jen got stung and maybe Adele but um, yeah so you just gotta roll with it because if once you decide the order everyone has to swim no one can say oh I'm not swimming this because Mm. then that's the swim over so you have to commit to it and even though you're in pain you have to get back in that water and Georgie was amazing just to suck it up and go back in again for us you know Jen you had lovely company though too in the form of a pod of dolphins I believe we did we had dolphins swimming with us for a good three hours or so Um, I missed a lot of the dolphin action because I was taking my rest um, downstairs in the the hull of the boat I was having a nap because at that stage we thought we were probably all going to be swimming another rotation so I had already done um, two rotations so I kind of slept through the best of it, unfortunately. But yes, the girls were all whooping and shouting up on um, up on board, uh, watching the dolphins swimming alongside us. And it was beautiful, the videos. And it was an, an amazing experience. I think, Adele, you had dolphins with you, with you didn't you? I, I had dolphins. Um, and the, re- the way I knew it was, 
I could see the energy on the boat change. So I could see everybody coming out and the phones. And I thought to myself, they're not waving those phones at me because <laughs> uh, we had our jellyfish spotter and then we had somebody spotting us as well. At all times, you had two people out watching. And then obviously the scare from that. So everybody was out. And uh, I just I just had seen Georgie, especially how she just kept powering on. Everybody powered on. And Lauren had only been in before me. And the dolphins were very close. We've got beautiful, stunning picture. So um, I just made sure and sighted away from where the dolphins were that mm. I was thinking, this is wonderful. Azuna said people would pay thousands for this in Disney. Um, but just kind of, I'm not going to to look too much at them at this stage oh. just keep going I literally was my inner inner dory just w- keep swimming wonderful um, Jen just before we finish up uh, were you far out from the show what distance were you out and I, I just want to tell listeners you weren't wearing any gear uh, to keep you warm in the water no we were swimming with um, we were we were adhering to channel swimming rules which is one swim hat um, made of silicon or latex and one swimming suit that was not like you couldn't have like a big long swimming suit that went past the knee and um, no assistive technology so no Garmin watches or like uh, mp3 players or anything and um, the only thing you could use to keep you warm was just the ferocious pace that you swam and a bit of grease um we were i don't know how far offshore we were we could always kind of see land but no real discerning features the only discerning feature that i spotted along the whole journey was draw it up because you could see like the big um cement factory mm. but other than that you couldn't really see anything else just kind of the shoreline <laughs> yeah and the water warm yeah it was about, about 15 degrees Una's like no it wasn't Una and I kind of suffer the cold more so than the other girls um, one of our teammates Lauren just loves the cold she thrives in the cold it doesn't cause her any bother she hopped out after her second rotation swimming with the dolphins shook her hair right put a bikini on and asked where the cocktails were because she was on her holidays. So. <laughs> I love it. Well, listen, Jen, Adele and Una, and I have to mention Laura O'Malley, Andrea Judge and Georgie Houston, who are also part of the team. Well done to you. Wonderful adventure. We wait for your next trip, wherever that may be. Congratulations, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. So much. Thank you. Take Thank care you of much. yourself. Bye-bye. Team Grania Whale from Templeton to Rockabill. It's time for this on Late Lunch. Knock, knock. Who's there? That's how it works. It's called... Comedy? Comedy. Comedy, comedy. Comedy, sir. Comedy. Comedy. Classic comedy. Classic comedy. On the late lunch. I love comedy. I have a newbie for you today. His name is Alec Flynn. He's a young American comedian. And here he is talking about the Zoom job interview and becoming a sub-teacher. I thought I'd be cruising through job interviews. You know, I'm a smart guy. I got a lot of charisma. I thought it'd be easy. <laughs> Most of the job interviews are online, though. So what happens is, uh, you know, you forget about them. You're, you're farting around on the computer. You're watching a hockey fight compilation. And a uh, Zoom window pops up. You're like, oh, here we go. <laughs> All right. And, you know, you could skate on charisma for, like, most of the small talk. But then they start to really hammer you with the tough questions. They'll go, Alec, can you name a time in your life when you faced adversity? You ever been so unprepared it comes off as white privilege? I'm like, adversity! And then you slam the screen shut and blame the Wi-Fi. That's the move. Would you want me to wait and be like, oh, you know, this one time at sailing camp, there wasn't any wind. Like, I'm going to blame the Wi-Fi. I got a temporary job right now. I'm a substitute teacher. Um, yeah, if you ever wanted to find out how your friends really feel about you, just tell them that you're teaching. So they'll just say things to your face like, wow, they must really need people, huh? <laughs> yeah, there's a shortage of heroes right now, actually. <laughs> it's always your buddies that work in, like, tech sales or something. And I would never say that to them about their jobs. I'd never be like, wow, they must really need a washed-up D3 athlete with a coke problem, huh? <laughs> I'm doing my best for these kids, okay? I'm trying. I'm an educator. It is tough. I did a whole lesson on apostrophes the other day. I think it was all wrong. I think the whole thing was wrong. They're asking me, like, how do I know if it's possessive? 
I'll sound it out. I don't, I don't know. Good part about being a sub, though, for the most part, your job is just throwing on a movie and then watching the first half of that movie six times in a row during the day. By the time you get to seventh period, you're like, look, kids, we're starting Mulan from the middle, okay? I gotta find out this bitch defeats the Huns. I'm losing my mind. And I don't like that word sub either. I think that's very demeaning to me, okay? In my classroom, I am not a sub. I am the dom, all right? They'll find out everything about your life on the internet almost instantly. Remember when we were growing up and we thought all of our teachers just lived at the school? Now I'll be in the middle of a lesson. Some kid will pull up his phone and just be like, damn, mister, you live in a bad part of town. I had some kid comment on a comedy promo of me and he just said, your ass. It's like, Eric, this needs an apostrophe, dude. Come on. Yes, Alec Flynn there, young American comedian making his way in the game. Our comedy on your late lunch this afternoon. Just reminding you, there's a coffee morning in Glen Gat guest house in Dundalk tomorrow very important when raising funds for the wonderful Sonia Hoy she has to go back to Mexico for stem cell treatment if you could support it would be much appreciated 11 to 3 tomorrow Saturday in Glen Gat guest house in aid of our Sonia please support let me tell you a little story on the 1st of September 2001 I was in what was known then as Lansdowne Road and I was doing the commentary, the match commentary on the international match, a huge match between Ireland and Holland. And I was doing it for the station here and also nationally. And I will never forget a moment in that game, never, ever, ever, when Jason McAteer scored the goal, the significant goal that really probably qualified us for the World Cup finals. And I never, ever spoke to the man. It's nearly 22 years but it's better late than never, isn't it? Because he's on the line today. Jason McAteer, hello. <laughs> How are you? You okay? I was there myself that day. I was there myself. Someday, right? Oh, Jason. I want to say to you all these years later, thank you so much. It was simply uh, no. magical. I know. It's, you know, it is one of them, the fondest memory that I look back on my career. I think every player, you know, who plays the professional game will, will have one. Um, a significant moment in their career and, and gladly mine was of such magnitude that we, we are still talking about it today mm. and um, you know to reminisce it feels like yesterday because wherever I go I'm, I'm well travelled in my older age now with, with different companies and stuff and, and Liverpool and stuff so I get to see a lot of people in different parts of the world and of course there's Irish everywhere and everyone seems to have been at that game on that day. So I reminisce with everybody around the world about it. And I'm still drinking for free when I come over to Dublin. So I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty glad about that. Uh, and may that go on for years to come. I, I think, I, 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 you might correct me here, but was Slane concert on that day and they actually showed the match on the big screen? Yeah, that's right. It, I mean... I mean, you shouldn't have regrets in life, but I do have one, and that regret is um, after the game. Mm. It was kind of a bit of a funny story, really. We knew uh, the boys, you two, were up in, in Slane, and yes. we knew that they were going to show the game on the big screen, and obviously there was about 90, 100,000 people you know, who'd gone up to, to sort mm. of watch the game and, and obviously see you two play afterwards. And, um, and the bands you know, were obviously... Uh, coming out after the game. So they were hoping for a good result to get a, a good atmosphere whipped up before they came out. And of course, we supplied that with the, with the win and, and what have you. But Mick Byrne, who was the, the Irish physio, um, lovely fella. He was kind of like everyone's favourite uncall and a bit but very fatherly towards the players. But he, he, when it didn't go so well, he was always the one to put a smile on everyone's face. But he used to tell a few lies to get that smile occasionally. <laughs> so we, we go into the dressing room and he comes up to me and he says... Um, like quite as a matter of fact, I've had Bono on the phone and um, he'd like you to go on stage with the band tonight um, dressed in your kit. And I'm like, <laughs> really? And he's like, yeah, yeah. So I said to him, all right, how am I going to get up there? How am I going to get to Slane Castle? He went straight off the bat. He went, they've got a helicopter waiting for you. So I was like, I, I, I didn't know whether to, to take it with a pinch of salt. So I said to him, listen, I've organised a night out with John Aldridge tonight, so I, I actually can't make the concert. So if you could tell Bono, thanks for the invite, but uh, I'll catch up with him again. So thinking it was a, thinking it was a lie, to be honest. 
And then I bumped into someone a few months later, and they said to me, were you not supposed to walk out during a concert? Because Bono shouts your name. He says, look, it's on YouTube. And if you put YouTube, if you put my name and you two into YouTube, into YouTube it comes up, and Bono wraps, wraps the flag around himself, and he shouts, just imagine, it's Jason McAteer, and it's at that point I'm supposed to walk out. And you know when you have one of them moments where you think, I've messed up here. I should have gone. And, uh, and yeah, so they were up there and I was supposed to go on stage with them. But I was out with John Aldridge in, uh, in Dawson Street having a really good time. Oh, Jason. So Mick wasn't winding you up? No, it wasn't a wind-up. It was a true story. He actually wow. wanted me to go on stage. And I think The Edge has got number seven. He's got a T-shirt with number seven on. And yes. uh, obviously that was the number I played in that day. Oh, no wind-up from Mick and you didn't go. Well, well, well. But look, history is history and I'm sure you had a, yes. a, a great night in Dublin afterwards. It, it's, it's ironic you're with us today because Ireland are actually playing tonight in Greece uh, in, in a qualifier. What, what, do you, what do you make of the current setup and uh, Stephen Kenny's, you know, coming in and changing perhaps the way the team plays and we don't have a huge pick of Premier League players in the national squad now. Yeah, the pool, you're right, has, has diminished over the years from, from when I played um, due to a lot of reasons, to be honest. Um, the world has obviously become a lot smaller and opportunities for Irish players coming to England has, has got smaller and the quality has, has, has not quite been there. Um, but we've we've hung in there. We've had various different managers with different ideas and you know, the success under Trapattoni, it wasn't a great watch, but it was successful to, to some people and we had a good time, obviously qualifying for a tournament. But, you know, I was a bit sceptical with, with Stephen coming in. I, you know, I went on record saying that. But, you know, you've got to give, you've got to give credit where it's due. Um, it's been a tough job for him. Um, like you say, the, the pool of players he's had to pick from and the quality is, has been tight and it, it's been not as we've we've expected over the years, but he's had to work with these players. And to be honest, things are turning around slightly. We are playing differently. Um, he's probably now, the, the length of time he's been in the job, it, it's probably he's got his philosophy over to the players. They've got an idea now of how he wants to play and they're trying to implement it as, as best they can. Um, you know, we've had some up and down results. Uh, it's been okay. But, you know, we go into this campaign, as, as most campaigns, full of optimism. And although it was a, a tough draw with Holland and uh, France in the, mm. in the group, it was um, it, it's obviously going to be a big ask. But we go back to what we were talking about before. You know, no one expected us to qualify with, um, with Portugal and Holland in the group. But we, we come together. It was kind of our perfect storm under Mick McCarthy. And, and the team produced results. So the team spirit has always been there. And the support from the fans has always been there. So... You know, and the FAI have stuck with Stephen, so give them credit because they could have pulled the called the pulled the plug, you know, a while ago when results weren't going well. But they've decided to, to stick in there with Stephen, and hopefully things will turn around. It was a improved performance, although the result wasn't great against France. But we've got two games now with Greece and Gibraltar coming up, where the, the must win really because um, you don't want to drop points against the teams you expect to beat to give yourself the opportunity of getting to the Euros. Yeah, let's hope that begins tonight with a good result in yeah. Greece. Won't be easy, but uh, fingers crossed. We're all right behind them, as we always are. Yeah. Well, Jason, you're heading this way next weekend for the Irish Legends at Sea Point Golf Club. Tell me about you and your golf prowess, please. Well, golf's something I took up when I finished playing. I had a big void in my life, and you know, it's from the day-to-day working at a football club to, to go into nothing. You know, you need to fill your time and. You know, I found golf. I got in with some lads who, who are golf professionals and, and what have you. And I, I got instantly bitten by the bug and become addicted to golf. And, you know, it's, it's a passion of mine now. I play, I take my sticks everywhere. I mean, I shouldn't say, I think I love my golf clubs more than my kids, to be honest. But, um, and I do take them everywhere I go. So, um, so yeah, it, it's just something I just love doing. I love learning about the game, you know, the science of it, the, you know, the history of it, it's it's something I'm, I'm very, very passionate about. And when I get the opportunities to play in competitions or charity events or, or just to nip out and have nine holes, I'll I'll take the opportunity. So I met a lovely woman called Suzanne Collins, who's in, in she's in charge of, I'm, I'm not too sure where she works. I'm not, I'm not too sure if it's the European tour, the celebrity tour or the seniors tour. I think she's combined everything, to be honest, but she's great. And 
obviously with a busy schedule I've had this year, I've not been able to play in too many competitions and charity events that she puts on. But she rang me um, not so long ago and just said, listen, I think there's an event coming up in, in Seapoint that you would love to play in. And, you know, getting back to Dublin and Ireland would be, would be great if you fancy it. And I just I snapped her hand off. I'm free. So I'm going to make a weekend of it, come over, play in the tournament and then um, and have a weekend up in Malahide. So Lovely. really looking forward to next weekend. Oh, we're looking forward to having you here. I'm just looking at the list of celebs uh, for the Thursday. Oh, and my I God, I don't know. Well, well let me let me give you a feel for who's been there. I've a long list here, but just selecting a few from them. Shay Givens playing, right? You know, you know the Shay Givens fella, you do indeed. Yeah. Uh, Gavin yeah, Hastings, well, yeah. Gavin Hastings, okay. the, the rugby player. J- James Nesbitt, Jimmy Nesbitt, the actor. Daniel oh, O'Donnell. Yeah, Daniel yeah. Daniel loves his golf too you know that uh, Teddy Sheringham I'm sure you, you uh, remember that name from the past uh, Keith Duffy Brian McFadden and so on they go so there's a great list of celebs matched with the pros and you know you look at the pros major winners fellas who've won on the European Tour Ian Woosnam yeah. uh, I'm just picking out names from, from this as well Molina uh, there's a fella there's a fella there locally <laughs> he's a great golfer I was talking to him last week Gary Murphy is in it Stephen Dodd Roger Chad Chapman, Kingston, De Silva, you name it, Philip Price, lots of big names coming along with yourselves. Yeah, amazing. It's it's, it's well supported and, it, and it's well run. Yeah, uh, Susanna and her team do a fantastic job. You know, I played in a few. I was in Jersey last year playing in one, and and they are great events. And you know, everyone comes along to support it. It's it's brilliant. They give up their time, and you know, no one gets paid. You know, everyone goes there on the on their own accord to, to help yes. out and and have a good. Have a good day, a good, good couple of days, to be honest. And mm. um, there's probably no better place than, than coming over to Ireland and sinking a few pints of Guinness and having a sing-song with Daniel. How about <laughs> that? There you go. You have it all sussed out already, let me say, Mr. Yeah. McAteer, for sure. You have your plans in your own mind. I didn't mention either Paul Laurie and Michael Campbell with the pros there too. Big, big winners on the tour in their day, and there's more besides will be there next weekend. Uh, what, what number do you play off, do you mind me asking you, your handicap? Uh, I'm I'm quite low. I'm about four or five. Wow. Um, yeah, but if I have a few pints of Guinness on the, the night before, I, I could stretch to about eight or nine. I might give myself a few more shots. Right. I don't know yet, but yeah. I, I'll see how it goes. I mean, if I take it easy, <laughs> I'll play off my handicap. If not, I want a few more shots. So I'm flexible. Well, well, we are talking to somebody who knows how to play this game. When you are on that lower handicap, you are a really good <laughs> player, I have to say. Um in a general sense, back to the soccer for a moment. Liverpool, big sign-in, McAllister from uh, Brighton. Is that the start of a, a recruitment of a number of players? Yeah, the, the windows obviously are getting a bit more difficult to, to deal with. Um, you know, teams you know, who don't want to part with players, or if they do, they want to drive the price up. They try and wait till the last moment to shut, so the window shuts and they can they can drive a price higher. So... Yeah, it starts off slow. I mean, some clubs, some clubs and managers like to get their business done early, and usually it's the contact's been made before the window opens, which you've seen with obviously like the Bellingham and and McAllister moving to Liverpool. But just on that deal, yeah, really good deal. World Cup winner. Uh, he's obviously played in the Premier League with Brighton now, and we know what we're getting. Um, it is an area that needed surgery for Liverpool, the midfield area. So it's it's nice to get one in. Disappointed, James Milner is gone. Uh, I felt that. I do feel that's a big mistake from Liverpool. Um, sad to see him leave. Um, he's a very good golfer, by the way. Mm. But uh, he's he's gone to Brighton, um, got a season there, so good luck to him. But yeah, for Liverpool, we're, we're all expecting a few more signings coming in. Um, hopefully, you know, that'll happen sooner rather than later than we can get down to, to pre-season. I mean, the season's just roll into one now, don't they? They, they do. You know, it's all out. It's on our doorstep already, isn't yeah, it? Get, it certainly get this out is. the way and we yeah. go again. Yeah. So hopefully it'll be a good season for Liverpool. Uh, can anybody challenge... I'm a, I just I tell everybody this. I'm an Arsenal fan from afar myself and they were in the mix. Oh, they fell away at the end of the year this uh, season yeah. for sure. But can anybody push City, do you think, next next time? It's getting difficult, isn't it? And it's listen, it's a bit of a minefield what we, when we talk about City. Listen, what we've watched over the last three months, what Pep's done, finding a way of playing with Haaland and the rest of the team has been sensational and, you know, you've got to take your hat off off to him, but there is that scepticism about how it's been done, you know, these 115 charges, financial breaches and, you know, it's got to be cleared up sooner rather than later you know, it's something that could take a long, long time to clear up, but I think everybody managers and other football clubs and fans would, would like it cleared up and 
and let's see where we go because if it's not, they're going to continue to do what they do, which is you know buy the best players in the world and stretch away. And you know I think it's only Liverpool, I think Arsenal this season that have got within ten points of them over the last probably five or six mm. seasons. So it tells you the goals in quality and and how everyone is is just clinging onto the the coattails to try and stay near them. So. You know, every season it gets more and more difficult. You know, I've got to give it to Pep. He keeps his players hungry. He keeps his squad hungry for more and more and more. Um, So fair play to that. But it it has to be a a more level playing field and a fairer playing field when they're dealing with finances because clubs that aren't state-owned just cannot compete. It's, you know, we see it with Liverpool. They, they They just can't spend 120 million, which... You know, we look at we look at deals when when they say, "Oh, it's 120." It's not 120 million. You know, that you take you take the Bellingham deal for instance. It's not 115 million. It's more like 160 million after the agents' fees, after probably the families been paid, after mm-hmm. the wages and all X, Y, and Z. It all mounts up, and people have to understand the likes of Liverpool, the likes of Arsenal. They can't compete with the likes of. Um, and Newcastle, uh, well, Newcastle in, in that game now, and Newcastle, Manchester United, if the Qataris buy them, mm. or certainly Manchester City, Paris Saint-Germain, they, they just can't compete. So the regulations and, and the situation has to be cleared up sooner rather than later so everyone can um, everyone can have a, a fair go at it. Yeah, fair, fair go is what anybody ever really wants. Anyway, you're going to make a fair go of Seapoint Golf Links next weekend. The Celebrity Series is on on the Thursday, the 22nd, and the event runs then Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The Irish Legends. Tickets.legendstour.com. That's tickets.legendstour.com. You can book your tickets. And it's going to be lovely down there with the celebs and the pros and everything going on. Jason, good luck to you next weekend, and we're looking forward to having you back in Ireland. Oh, it was an absolute pleasure. Take care. I look forward to coming over and having a few pints again. Good Thank man you. yourself. Take care. That's uh, Jason McAteer there. Bye, Jason. What a wonderful, wonderful guy. What a storyteller. What a man to be with. And if you're out of the golf course, that'll be real relaxed with fellas uh, like Jason. It's time. I said there was a group of women waiting for me, but they've stood me up. I only have one woman. Well, one is plenty. Sinead Cavan, isn't Me, it? myself and I. Yeah, sure, that's grand. No, Campbell's on her way, I know, and traffic is just hectic around the place this afternoon. You're very welcome to the show, uh, Sinead, so you're going to have to carry the can for a few minutes by yourself. That's okay. Can we start um, with Love Island? Do you watch Love Island at all? I don't. Do you not? I don't. And to be honest, Jerry, I don't watch any reality TV. And I know people will be saying, oh, God, she's like a dinosaur. <laughs> but I just I I have an issue with reality TV because it's sensationalist. So you have producers who are making muck for money, basically, um, and it's people watch it. And so they make a fortune. But there's no real care for the people who are involved. Mm. And when you look at something like The Love Island, because obviously I don't watch it, but you can't escape it. It's obviously broadcast and everything else. There have been a number of losses of life for that particular programme. And I think if you were to delve into any of these reality shows, which has which have huge amounts of hype and huge amounts of money behind them, mm. if you were to follow the journey of anyone who entered and got any particular distance in them, I guarantee you that there's mishaps and misfortunes and challenges that have followed yes. that involvement. And nobody does that mm. because once it's done, wash the hands of it and that's it. And I have a major issue with that. And that's just the person that I am. I'm very much yes. about compassion yes. for people and empathy towards people. Yes. And I just have a major issue. So yep. for me, it's it's vacuous. Great if that's what you love. Mm. But uh, for me, vacuous, I'd rather sit and watch David Attenborough. He said, like, such a square. <laughs> but I would. I'd rather I'd rather yeah, watch something like that. That's, that's, that's the way There's you something feel. to be gained from it, mm. you know? Ca- Carmel, welcome. Love Island, is it your forte or... No, no. I tell you what, uh, Jerry. if you were painting the wall, I'd sooner watch the paint dry on it. Yeah. God. I really... I've, I've no time for that sort of nonsense. Yes. But that's... That's just me probably being mm. uh, an old intolerant old one, you know, probably. Well, I'm going to give Kira Bork the opportunity to rescue the situation, but I, I don't know whether, uh, let me look into her eyes and think, will she, won't she? I'm not too sure. Love Island, Love Island, Kira. What's your, do you watch it at all? What about your daughters? Do your daughters? Oh my God, addicted they are. Addicted. Now, during yeah. lockdown, I was addicted because there was, damn all else on and there was one particular the one when Maura Higgins was in yes we loved that one because she was good crack whatever but as I watched them and I started to watch it with my 16 year old I was like oh my god it is like watching paint dry 
between the lips, the hair, the Botox, the thing, and they're all only 20. Yeah. And it's just dry. They all start looking the same. Yeah. I said, is this the same episode as last year? Because they all start looking the same. Stepford Wives. Yeah. They're cloning each other. But but let's give Such credit to your daughters. Your daughters. Your daughters are addicted. Well, they are and they aren't. Like, they haven't watched it the last few nights. Okay. So we started watching it. Yes. And then they got bored. Okay, so even the younger ones are yeah, getting bored of it Yeah, I think they're bored. Yeah. Okay, there yeah. you are. And, and, and the numbers, I was just looking, the numbers are down, actually, at the current series sort as well. But the general consensus here today, our ladies are not fans. They don't watch it. We have that. It's made clear at this <laughs> stage. But it still has millions that watch it every single night and it's running at the moment. What about the weather, girls? Carmel, it's too hot, is it? It's too oh. hot. The weather's too no, hot. No, no, I'm n- I never say that, Jerry. Not when your teeth are chattering in the middle of November. You know, why you say what? What was I saying? No, I know where you're probably out saying, "God, the garden could do with the drop of rain." I well, am. it got it there now. Oh, it is, has it. it started? Yeah. Oh, oh it's raining. Oh, is yeah. it, is oh it's it not that much. It's only yeah. like a little kind yeah. of yeah. Yeah. sprinkling. Soft. Fifteenth of May was the last significant rain, so that's yeah. a month exactly. Well, you know. Yeah. Wait till I tell you. I happen to be driving my husband's car at the moment, and I got into it, and I said, "How?" you turn on the wipers but that'll tell you (laughs) (laughs) isn't that great can it ever be too hot you know never there's no such thing as bad weather it's am I allowed to say that word it's bad clothing choices (laughs) okay so you adjust depending on you figure it out you figure it out we're not used to lovely warm weather Mm. here we are used to it in other climes but the thing about it is when we get in other climates it's usually like islands by the sea or up a mountain so there's a bit of a breeze <laughs> whereas when you're in Drogheda or Navan and it's very hot you need to just go and find grass to get off the shoes and stand in it to be grand. <laughs> yeah. mm. grand well I have to say I was in France last year for in near Bordeaux it was 45 degrees for a full week and I swear to God I was like out of it I couldn't wait to get yes. and I said I'm not going away next year I'm going to stay in Ireland and that's where I'm going to holiday in Ireland this year now if it was like this for the summer fantastic mm. this is lovely weather mm. it's beautiful like it's 20... good for business it's actually you know what it's not really you want, You have to have a cloudy day for it to be good for business Okay. if it's really sunny they've gone to the beach mm. if it's too hot they don't come out at all. Mm. Um, and if it's raining, so I need a kind of a cloudy day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're sounding like a farmer there. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 absolutely. Uh, we have plenty of space outside so people do come yeah, outside. But, yeah. um, well, know. from 45 degrees, you know, to ah, yeah. 26, 27, well, it's bearable at that, you know. Yeah. yeah, and I can see why there's so much, cli- so much climate migration and guys, we better be ready for a whole lot more of it because we are going to be the destination. Yes. So we better not start talking about our weather being nice because we are going to They'll be the destination of the future. Yeah, because we have that we have that temperate climate. Yeah. Mm. You know, and the island is small enough that we get the you know the breeze when it starts one side it hits the other eventually. Do you know? So yeah, definitely. Mm. Why are we obsessed with weather? Because you're right, Carmen, in a few months' time we'll be saying, Oh geez, will that rain ever stop? I think we were only a few weeks ago. Is it fundamentally because we're an agricultural country? Yeah. Mm. And you see you like I can still remember like <clears throat> grandparents, uncle, all the rest looking out and saying, what way is it going to be today? And what way will it be all right for the, the harvest? Will it be all right for the thrashing? You know, yeah, yeah. The, everything was dictated like that. And I can still remember my father uh, when we were living in Dublin, we'd be getting ready to go out and he'd stand at the door and he'd look out and go. God, could rain tonight. And my mother would be inside saying, would you shut up and let them go out? But like that, that was going to change the tone of us going out. He'd, he'd do it to wind us up. Yes, yes. But again, that was an old thing of yeah. looking out. And it, it definitely, it comes back <laughs> to the, the, the farmers. I think it's also, like, yeah. I mean, we, we could have five or six seasons in one day in Ireland. Oh, like, yeah. we live yeah. on, a, like, on an island in the middle of the Atlantic. And it can change just like I think that's the the way it is as well. Like if you're in Spain, Scorcho, Scorcho, (laughs) Scorcho, that's probably what you'll get most nights on the on the on the weather forecast. But we could have like Oh, a little bit of rain in, in Cork and the Mizzenhead is going to be sunny. It's, you know yeah, what I mean? And I was watching it there just yeah, a moment ago. And you yeah, can just yeah. see the chart up yeah. there. It is like that. Anyway, uh, thank God for the last month. It oh, was fabulous. just fantastic. fantastic. It really is. It's a great little country when you get weather like that. And if we could only have it, if we had it defined, you know what I'm saying? If we say we had June, July, August <laughs> guaranteed every year, you know, just let's package it for those three and months. And it'd be boring, Jerry. Would 
it'd be boring. There's a, there's a, no. there's a nice bit of spontaneity in going out in your summer clothes yeah. and your feet and being paid washed upon. away <laughs> yeah. and squelching by the time you come home. It's just something that, you know, keeps you on your toes. Let's, let's leave the weather and talk about something serious for a moment. And it's in our new, on our news again. It was dominated the news was Tara Mines. You know, we all are familiar with Tara Mines and the employer is 650 jobs. And a bit of a bolt out of the blue during the week, Sinead, you're over there on the ground. We just hear on the latest uh, uh, that uh, there's talks on Monday, Tuesday, significant talks, and they're going to look at the, you know, to see what can be done. Costs, the energy costs are biting and the price of zinc has collapsed. It's a difficult one, isn't it? It is. And they've had, you know, there's been a few other bits and pieces that throw into that mix as well for them. But it, the 650 jobs are massively significant. You know, you hope you hope that they'll put some sort of, they'll implement some sort of measures that they'll hold on to those skilled workers because they lose them they're done for it'll never reopen and the other side of it as well is that there's also the secondary and tertiary numbers as well so you know Navin the employment that it gives mm. within the town of Navin there's certain places around Navin that are highly frequented by the, the workers on their way into the shifts on their way out of the shifts and I, I know because you know you go to the Apple Green there at the at Motlands if you go to the, the central store there at, at Liscarton the, yeah. they're inundated that's where their business comes from mm. is from the mines and you know they're just too small in yes. the grand scheme of things too small Small suppliers, suppliers, Mm. everything, you know, and uh, the money that the 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 staff that do live in Navan, because let's face it, they they come from all over the country for those shifts because they do the long shifts and the the three day, four day week kind of thing. So you've people coming from Tipper as far as Tipperary and and Longford and Sligo and everything coming in and out for their shifts and they Mm. stay in digs and whatever. But the amount of money that's going to be lost in our town in Navan as a result of the workers not. Um, that live in the town, but also the the secondary yes. eco- economic mm. factors. So it's are going vital to have a this massive. is saved. Yes. Well, I think that we've been here a few times with tar mines, um, and I think the zinc price has gone up three percent even since the the announcement. The announcement. But um, like six hundred and fifty jobs is very significant. I mean, I know I know a couple who actually the two of them work in it, and you know, there's there's yeah. there's mortgages to be paid, there's school fees to be paid, there's college fees to be paid. So it's going to be massive. So I hope that the, they can get into some sort of talks. But it was a bolt out of the blue. Like mm. it wasn't really mm. very much kind of, you know, warnings for this. Yes. So it's quite surprising. Yeah. And that's what surprises me. They're pushed into what they call care and maintenance. Now, if that was a store, they close it down. But when you think a, a mine, they couldn't possibly start to look at decommissioning what's going on there. No. And also because it is a natural resource, it's it it is zinc. Now, sadly, it's it's the whole the I suppose the principle of economics of supply and demand as well. And there's oversupply and under demand at the moment. Mm. That will change mm. because mm. that is the natural progression. So that's why, as I say, it's almost like well. Hold on, lads. It's a temporary kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, it's temporary. And I do believe it is temporary. I think it's SIP2 who's going to get engaged in the talks and hopefully there'll be some sort of a resolution or that they're looking and say, well, listen, we're hoping that it'll be for so long and then we'll redress it again. Now, what came up to was the cost of energy. Here mm. we go yeah. again. So I think... Well, we go back to the whole, the, the same old uh, uh, whinge is like, what have the energy companies done, uh, you know, to reduce their cost? Very little, mm. if nothing. But number two, we have got to look at the wind and the wave energy here. We've got to look at and the, the sun, because yeah, one thing yeah. to tell you, the last month there's been little wind. And the turbines haven't really turned and we're sort of goosed when that happens. But it's also not about just the sun. It's like solar, it's light. Yeah. It's, you yeah. know, the, the, the PVC, pa- the PV panels are, yes. can take in light. It doesn't have to be a sunny day. For mm-hmm. them no, to, yeah. to that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yes. Combined with the wind, yeah. with the, the wave, wave. we've got to bring got the whole lot yeah. together. But also, Carmel, yeah. like I negotiated my, my energy price this week and uh, to a third of what it was before Christmas. Yeah. Now, I struggled, I struggled, I struggled. And then the, the same company wouldn't ne- renegotiate with me. So I had to leave that company. Yeah. And they said, are you going to have to pay a price to leave us? And I'm like, like, you know, I don't have to pay a price to leave you. I said, there's the competition yeah. regular regulation and all the rest. So I've changed, but like, so you have to constantly be monitoring. Did you get a better deal? Much better. 
Let's, yeah. let's take a quick break. I'll be back in a moment. We are talking today on Late Lunch to uh, the wonderful Kira Burks, Sinead Kavanagh and Carmel McCarthy. We'll be back with more chat in a moment. Carmel McCarthy, Kira Burke and Sinead Kavanagh with me on Late Lunch this afternoon and we are chitting and chatting about this, that and the other. On a serious note, we'll stay with it for a moment. Euthanasia is being discussed in Ireland today. The first meeting was this week of a, a group about it. What do you think, Sinead? Yes. Yes. I agree with In you. a word. You need, obviously, checks and balances, a bit like the the, um, the referendum on abortion. There needs to be checks and balances. But yes, I think when you look at... We are living as a population, as a, as a, as a race... You know, the hum- human race is living older and longer. We weren't meant to. But because of interventions that are through technology and medical um, research, we're prolonging the, the length of life. Um, and not everybody has the capacity to live with with chronic illness and terminal illness to the very end when it's you know it's quality of life i think is incredibly important as human beings we have to we're sentient so you have to acknowledge the fact that for some people you look at somebody who suffers from mnd somebody who has multiple cirrhosis that's in the later stages somebody who has terminal cancer you know you're talking about massive pain and providing medication to counteract pain that actually creates more pain and more dysfunction within the body where, you know, I think people should be allowed to make a conscious decision in an advised, absolutely, you know, not just on a whim, but yes, I think the choice should be available. It's a very vexed question for me. I personally don't agree with it. I don't believe in this acting God here. And where I have difficulty. Okay, you can say someone who's suffering, they're in dreadful pain, suffering badly and their quality of life is poor, like we're arguing, well, they should have a choice. But then people suffer mentally and die as a result of suicide and we still call it suicide. We don't say, you know, we don't sugarcoat it in any way. So I don't think that Mental suffering is any different to physical suffering. Okay, so you're you're a no, Kira. I'm a yes, um, because I feel that medical intervention, as Sinead had said, um, has has prolonged people. Like I remember when my my dad was dying, and he was absolutely miserable. He, you know, and I said, can we not just give him some more morphine to sl- let him slip away? You know, no, no, we can only give him so much. We can only give him so much. And it prolonged it for like six weeks longer than it was should have been. Now, I'm not saying that this, this that that is the argument here, but I'm talking about people who have severe illnesses like motor neuron disease, like, you know, MS, that like their quality of life, their dignity is gone. And if they had the the foresight or whatever and if they had like that lady who got her friend to give her but then she was convicted of mm. manslaughter um but that lady was doing her a favor and she had asked her she had written a letter and she had said to all and sundry this is what i but wanted my wouldn't the to regulations do. and laws around it and everything have to be so tight oh absolutely absolutely because this could well, be abused. Well, you've got the Assisted Living Act now mm. that's replaced the um, Enduring Power of Attorney. So there's a new Assisted Living Act. So that is it can be factored with it in terms of when you're assisting somebody living. In living, dying is a part of living. Mm. Our death mm. is a part of living. You know, it's a, it's the natural end to what it is that we do here as humans on the planet. It's It's... We get we are born, we celebrate a birthday, we go around the sun a few times and, you know, there's marriage, there's births. There's a, it's another part of living. So assisted, the Assisted Living Act, I think it's the advocacy element. There needs to we need to have really strict advocacy for people of all ages, from all backgrounds, from every socioeconomic demographic. It, that's where the that's where it comes into play. Mm. Um, and there has to be, you know, honesty. There has to be um, just in terms of, you know, people's values and all of that sort of stuff. You do know There's that people would have morally issues with this. And, and, and that's, yeah. a, that's a big thing as well. Look, we're not going to uh, get too much further into it today. I thank you for your honest opinions. And, and it's great to hear the different viewpoints on it. Time's going to beat us. I want to ask you about something because Carmel brought this up to me this morning. Carmel said to me, 
What about Bloomsday, Jerry? It's Bloomsday today. And I just said to her, I'll read Ulysses before you get in. Oh, well, good on you, Jerry. <laughs> good on you. I, 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 I've opened it and closed it in the past. I tried to read Dubliners many, many moons ago and I gave up, uh, needless to say. And I recall when my brother was in college, him uh, and my eldest brother so a good long time ago coming into my mother and he said he must have been part of some society he said um, he says we're doing uh, Finnegan's Wake Mm. and she looks at him thinking God is he after now suddenly taking on this new persona and she says oh great and uh, what part are you playing? He says, the corpse. <laughs> <laughs> have you read Ulysses? We've only I, a minute I got left. to chapter three. I couldn't read it stopped. Anymore. Have you ever read I it? have from start to finish, but it, over a pro- protracted period of time. Are you doing anything for Bloomsday? Like 30 Day? years. I'm going to the Taste of Dublin now. Afterwards. Oh, very good. Oh, Tony yeah. Weldon was in with us the other day. Big man with Bloomsday. It's happening in Gilness today and they're all celebrating out there. But he advised... Don't read it from cover to cover. Dip in, read a little yeah, bit of it yeah, and leave, yeah. leave it. And I think that's, that's some the, of the way to do it. Advice. Yeah, because you can get little snippets of it. And that's yeah. I've seen the film. I there was a lovely film in the IFC many moons ago. I was talking like maybe 20, 25 years ago and I got an invitation to that. It was lovely. Have to leave it there today, girls. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Always love when you're here. Cameron McCarthy, Kira Burke and Sinead Cavanagh. Thanks a million. Thanks, Thank you, Jerry. Jerry, see you again. The arrangements. Now let's have another little listen to our TV theme. Yes, the opening of Peaky Blinders. I was looking for. Oh, you're very clever. Loads of you got it right. Anyway, my gift from late lunch today is winging its way to Mary Montague. Well done to you, Mary. Got it right. And many others did as well, too. Thanks for entering our competition today. Earlier on, I was talking to Jason McAteer. Wasn't he great? And I offered one of you a season ticket to the Irish legends that are coming to Seapoint Golf Club next weekend. The Celebrity Day is the 22nd Thursday and the competition continues Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Some of the biggest names in golf from yesteryear are there and a raft of celebrities too. Jason McAteer will be one of those taking part. Tickets.legendstour.com for your tickets. That's tickets.legendstour.com will get you the tickets. A season ticket, which entitles two people to entry on all of the days to the event in Seapoint is going this afternoon to Paul Tiernan. The question I asked was, how many strokes under par are you when you score an albatross on a golf hole? Three, three, three was the answer I was looking for. You're three under par on the hole. What uh, an achievement that is to get an albatross. And well done to you, Paul. You win the season ticket there for two people. Enjoy. Now, let's, on Friday afternoon, conclude the week of this. Five, four... Three, two, one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... The big number one from this very week in 1978. And may I tell you, I remember it well. This song was released before the movie. What an impact it had in America, in the UK, in Ireland, all over the world. It was virtually number one in every country. But we focus on the UK singles charts here. And in the summer of 78, some months before Greece was released, this went to number one. And it stayed at number one for how long? Nine weeks. It was all summer and it was a lovely summer that year. I can still remember it well. And as of recently, it's still the fifth best selling single of all time in the UK. The fifth best. Here it is to put you in good form as the rain starts to fall. And we remember the last five weeks or so. Yes, it's Mr. John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John. Timeless classic on your late lunch this Friday afternoon. 
the late great Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta with the or the one that I want from the movie Grease still brilliant after all these years and our number one in our top five countdown from this very week in 1978 and we'll pick another week and another five songs for you please God on Late Lunch next week let's round off the week in the day with David Sheehan and Sport afternoon David Afternoon, Jerry. Thank you for joining me again. We begin tonight with international football, the League of Ireland, on a two-week break. Ireland are in Greece. I had Jason McAteer with me earlier on the show, David, and uh, he, he talked about the game tonight and Stephen Kenny, and he said he he had words to say about Kenny and he wasn't sure, and he gave him some credit for you know what he's done with what he has at his disposal in terms of players. But McAteer did mm. say to me, they need six points from these two games. Now, going to Greece, David, it's not an easy one. No, it's not. And I think, um, if I remember correctly, I think I remember reading McAteer quite a while ago and he was maybe one of these guys who was of the view that players in the dressing room would be sort of saying, "Where show us your medals, what have you won, kind mm. of thing. I, I could be wrong on that, but I do recall, I think, some something along those lines. But, yeah, it's it's getting to that point. And, like, I'd be a big fan of Stephen Kenny and I'd be a big fan of the style of football they've been trying to play because you're trying to turn around a, an oil tanker there in terms of the, the the style of football Ireland has been associated with over the years and the lack of patience sometimes maybe as well. But I think a large part of the football-watching audience in the in the country is, is behind them and does want to see us playing a little bit more of an expansive game. And I think... Kenny has probably learned the hard way that he can't do it exactly as he might have wanted. He maybe doesn't have the players at his disposal to play it the way he would have wanted. But certainly the last couple of years, I mean, even though the results haven't always been great, they've rarely been great, I suppose you could say. But the style of football is much more enjoyable to watch. But the results need to start coming now. And I think, you know, he took over in a difficult time during COVID. There were a lot of excuses, um, not necessarily excuses, but, you know, reasons why things weren't going well. But he's been there long enough now. He's got a fairly settled squad, a fairly settled team. Um, so I think you're you're right. I think Jason McIntyre in this occasion is correct as well. Gus Poyet called it a must-win game for both sides. Stephen Kenny didn't go quite that far, but it's it's kind of like a must-not-lose for Ireland. But I, I think they really need to start winning. As you said there, you know, this game tonight and the game coming up next week, those those two games, if they could get six points from them, brilliant. France and Holland in that group, um, it's, it's really tough for them. So the likes of Greece, if you're going to have any chance of... of knocking in and around the top of that group, you want to be winning that game. Um, Ogbeni is obviously injured. He's going to be a miss. We think they're going to go with a 3-5-2 formation. They've prepared really well. They've had a 10-day training camp. I think lessons were learned from mm. previous experiences. So they've, they've prepared really well. They've been over there for a long time now, acclimatising, getting used to it. It's, it's kicking off quite late in Greece tonight as well. So it's not going to be as hot as it might have been or as people thought it might have been. So I, I don't think that there are, there are too many excuses left for them. They need to start delivering, and this isn't all on Stephen Kenny either. Like the players need to start, you know, re- producing regularly. Um, but clearly, the manager carries the can. So yeah, a huge one. Uh, I feel like every game Stephen Kenny goes into with Ireland is the, is the biggest one of his career today, and this would certainly fall under that category. I think it's going to be a massive test for them. I wouldn't be hugely confident because we don't have a huge amount of evidence to suggest they can go away and win. Um, I think a draw might be the best we could hope for but look let's keep our fingers crossed and hope they can sneak a, a famous win because away wins in big, in big games for Ireland are, are uh, a tin on the ground over the years so let's yeah. hope they can make it a night to remember Yeah. Just in a word the Nations League final is Sunday Spain take on Croatia Spain are really starting to motor again at the top of the uh, world of international mm. football but I don't think anyone would begrudge Croatia a win of a major international tournament no, I got a I got a text from our head of news the other night after the the game, and uh, he was like, "Croatia, the best fifth, the best team of the last fifteen years to never have won anything," which mm. I thought was probably fair enough, but but a little harsh as well. I think, yeah, I'd love to see Croatia win it. In short, I hope they do because they're a great side to watch. They've they've really battled against the odds. Modric is such a great player, and okay, it's not a European Championship or World Cup, but it'd be fantastic to see them winning it. Yeah, let's hope they do it. Now on to GAA and tomorrow Meath uh, face Wexford in Park Talton four o'clock in the quarterfinal of the Talton Cup. You'd expect Meath will win this game home advantage against the Yellow Bellies. Well, I hope that's not the attitude the players and the managers have or the manager has because um, you know you just have to look at Wexford's performance against Offaly last week. Now remember, this is an Offaly team that beat Meath in the Leicester Championship, and Meath only managed to score ten points against them. Wexford got one twenty-two, all from play, mind you, against Offaly last weekend. So. This is going to be a really tough test and those of us that are old enough to remember Meade's trip down to Carlo in 2008 when they were 10 points up or something at halftime and lost to Wexford in, in an absolutely sensational second half but not, not that memorable from Meade's perspective. 
that game will probably haunt people's memories a little bit. But, you know, home advantage. Um, and I think the the, be- the great thing about this Talton Cup, whatever people think about it as a, as a concept, and maybe a lot of Meads fans wouldn't be too thrilled to see their team in there. That's where they are, though. But it gives Colin O'Rourke, and looking at the team he's named earlier on uh, today, it's a settled 15. He's starting to kind of get a few of the young players in. You've got Conor Gray in midfield, and Dolly McGowan is back in. The defence is starting to look quite settled. So whatever happens on, on, tomorrow, and I hope I think they will just about win, but they're getting plenty of games into them. He's starting to get a feel for lads, uh, for players. He's blooding a few young players at a, at a level maybe that's not as intense and as under the spotlight as as the intercounty uh, Sam Maguire competition will be. So I think that's the real benefit for me is they're getting time and, and minutes into these lads and they're, they're, they're starting to see what they're made of and they're able to pull out a settle 15. So look, at, I think it's going to be a tough one for them. Um, I think they'll just about sneak it, but... They can't afford the, the sort of defensive lapses they had against Down the last day where Down kicked an amount of wides. I think it was 17 wides in the end Down kicked against Meath and Parnell Park. They need to be a little bit tighter at the back than that because Wexford will punish them as we saw with that 122 from play. But look, I think Meath will, will win it, but I think there'll only be a couple of points in it and, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if Wexford chopped them. Well, there you go. A tough and tight game. David predicts in Park Talta tomorrow. Four o'clock throw in and we'll have all the action here on LMFM Radio. Then on Sunday, a loud round off their All-Ireland Group Series, the third game there. They play Kerry and Portlaoise, two o'clock on Sunday Sport. They had good shows against Cork and Mayo in the previous games, but nothing to show for it. Yeah, and the Mayo game, I suppose, the way it finished with them getting that late goal and then the point to, to bring it back to a one-point game and then the, the clock just ran out and them. I, I was listening to it that day in the studio and Colin was doing the commentary. When they kicked over that, that last point, I thought maybe they'd had a word with the referee and maybe he told them it was enough time for one more play. There wasn't. The full-time whistle went and they lost by one. But I think a lot of Loud fans maybe going into this group might have been a little bit apprehensive that they'd get a, a, maybe get a trimming off the likes of Mayo. But anything but. They're just, they're just on such a, a roll at the moment. They're... They're so well set up defensively. Okay, the Mayo game wasn't the classic, we know, but they're really well set up. They're well able to go up the field and get their scores as well. They were quite unlucky to, to come up short against Cork. Um, so it, they've had a, they've had a really good, even though they've lost the two matches, they've had a really good um, campaign and, and stepping up to this higher level. Sometimes you can get a little bit found out or a little bit exposed, but it just is a testament to the coaching and the, the fitness levels and everything else that they have going on. Uh, that they've they've managed to give us such a good account of themselves and, and give themselves huge encouragement going into next year. The Kerry game, uh, it's a meeting between Mickey Hart and Jack O'Connor, who, of course, would have met several times when they were over, when Mickey was over uh, Tyrone, obviously Jack O'Connor back in charge of Kerry again. Now, it's only the third time that they've um, met in the championship. And overall, uh, Mickey Hart just has the edge, four wins uh, for him against three for Jack O'Connor and all the meetings they've had, league, league and championship seven in total. So it's a must-win game for Lowe. They have to win and hope that Mayo beat Cork. And like again, Jerry, like we said, probably we probably said the same in, against Mayo. It's hard to see Loud beating Kerry. Kerry haven't been firing on all cylinders by any means. Um, they scraped by Cork the last day with that controversial penalty. So again, it's probably going to be. I would, I suppose, if I had to put money on it, I'd say, I'd say it's going to be a similar enough game to the Mayo game where they'll they'll be they'll be really competitive, but they might just come up a little bit short. And, and Kerry, with the class that they have, you kind of feel like they're going to have to start going through the gears and and. Getting, getting kind of hitting their straps as they get towards the, the latter stages of the competition. But I think Loud will, will, will go well again, but I think Kerry will just have a little bit too much for them. David, thank you so much as usual. You're off uh, on a break with us for a couple of weeks. Enjoy and we'll talk to you in a few weeks' time. Always appreciate your company every Friday. Not at all, Jerry. Talk to you soon. Take care of yourself. That's our David Sheehan there, presenter of Sunday Sport and out and about as well for us at many sporting events looking ahead to the weekend in sport. A good luck to Stephen Kenny in Ireland tonight. I really do hope that we can get a win in Greece. It's a very, very tough place to go, but fingers crossed we'll be supporting the boys in green all the way. Thank you for your support every day on Late Lunch. We love your company. Our listeners are a great part of the show here. To our guests who joined us during the week, thanks to everybody who joined us on the phone or in studio. We love your company too. And to Louise Walsh, my producer. Thanks a million, Louise. Couldn't do this without her. Have a lovely weekend. No matter what the weather brings, there's a bit of moisture. There is indeed. Anyway, don't worry. We've had a great run and we'll have more good days, please God, between now and the end of the summer. Eddie Caffrey's on his way with The Drive here on LMFM Radio. Come back Monday, do, and join us for your late lunch from 1.30. We'll see you then. The Late Lunch, brought to you by Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, 
relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 